You did it again, Bill. It's just I know the old version so well, you know. Well, we all do. That's why we're making the new version. Right, OK, let's go. I feel it in my fingers. In my fingers. I feel it in my toes. Feel it in my toes, yeah. Love is all around. Oh, fuck, wank, bugger, shitting, ass, head and hole. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Rated R. Welcome to episode 25 of Opening Weekend. This week, if you really love Christmas, come on and let it snow as we revisit November 14th, 2003, and the star-studded British ensemble romantic comedy Love Actually. But before we deck the halls with Hugh Grant, Bill Nye, Emma Thompson, Colin Firth, and a cast of what feels like thousands, we'll take a look at November 14th's other wide releases, Looney Tunes Back in Action, starring Brendan Fraser, Jenna Elfman, and of course, Bugs Bunny, and Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, Peter Weir's multiple Oscar-nominated seafaring epic starring Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. But first, and foremost, I say, Fred and Dan. <laughs> Where were you two Jamokes in November of 2003? Why, you know what? I couldn't remember for the life of me. I was trying to go back. I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? And then I, I, Kate, my lovely wife, keeps all her calendars. She, she keeps oh. a calendar, you know, since like college. And oh. they're more like journals. So we jumped back there and I was looking. And um, this was a really cool time for me yeah. and for us because a couple episodes ago we did 2002 and that was right when kate and i i think we we're talking about we broke up oh mm -hmm. right sort of like a weird dark time for me and this was shortly after we found each other again and got back together but i Yay. i was i just finished a production of biloxi blues up in rochester the jiva theater and i was back mm -hmm. i was back for about a month and was this the one with peter burkrock no, that was the first time I did it. No, that oh, was that okay. was uh, years years ago um, oh, in Massachusetts. Lucky, lucky. No, so this yeah, that one Peter played. If if anyone remembers, Peter Burkrout was uh, played Angie Denunzio in Caddyshack, and we interviewed him back. And that was episode ten, right? Yes, yes, it was. Wow, fifteen episodes ago. Look at how far Holy we've come. Smokes. But yeah, wow. that one he played God. Epstein to my Eugene, yes. and in this one I played Epstein. To my friend Dennis's Eugene. Oh, uh, but anyway, so I was back and Kate and I were back together. And it was just like, it, it, it was a fun time in New York City. I was living downtown. I was playing with the band, Lisa Jackson and Girl Friday. We were playing a lot of fun gigs yes. and like touring all over the place. We had just come, come back from a weekend playing in Provincetown and P-Town. I was going to punk rock, heavy metal karaoke. Oh, so Arlene's much grocery. fun. Oh, yeah. Arlene's Grocery. Mm. So Wasn't that a blast? Fun. Yeah, every Monday night we would go and it was a live band karaoke and <sighs> yeah, had a blast down there. And we were just like, it was like the pinnacle of living in New York for me. Like we were going mm. to, my friend John had, it was like the black party. We would get decked out in tuxedos and stuff and um, 
And there was this, there was also like this underground dance party called Motherfucker that I got Jesus. introduced to. Yeah, it was Gosh. really cool though. And Golly. that was all through Lisa Jackson. And we were just doing all this cool New York stuff. And 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 how are you part of the cool crowd? I know nothing about I'd it. It was through the know, band. I'd sit home and eat Count Chocula and hope for the best. <laughs> He, he was always cool. He, he, was really was. he says he wasn't. But no, he was but it cool. wasn't. Yeah, the brown it, party. It would, <laughs> that was the poop party. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. You would eat Count Chocula and just smear <laughs> smear your body with your own shit. Got the brown party in my you pants. You out Count Chocula, rub it on your chest. <laughs> oh, fuck. That was a party. I love that. What, what is going on? Fr- Welcome to Friday night. <laughs> but it was, uh, it was just cool. I think I was, I mean, I don't know if I was doing any shows or anything i think that was we were probably working at or at least i was still working at princeton review were you working oh, there jason at that time uh, i i wasn't i was this is i was at the pr firm hunter oh, pr so you moved at there. this point so i had uh i had left that yeah, yeah i think i was yeah. still at princeton review which was for people listening who because i don't think it exists anymore princeton review was a really a, i don't know if it exists yeah wow. i think kaplan basically ate it they took them over. Oh my it was, gosh, it was, I didn't it was a test that. prep company and it was right. a test prep for like the SATs and the ACTs mm-hmm. and the GREs. GMAT, and I remember my job at that time, it was so ridiculous. We were all known as, we all worked there together and we were known as the Deweys, yeah. which I still don't know what that means. So- it's just to denigrate you, just to make you feel like less of a person. That's not a grown man shouldn't be called a Dewey, well, like we, Huey, we, Dewey, and Louie, or Dewey Decimal, or any. I mean, Dewey, like 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 Dewey, like there's like like a, a bead of moisture, about, like rolling off of your nose. That was or on nethers. your seat when you were you were working. Out. No, I thought it, it just, was like a thing of like do this, do that. Who does who does the doing? It's the Deweys. Exactly. How about assistant? Call me an assistant. Yeah. Call me but it's like funny, a. Because like when I, I too much in responsibility the, in the beginning, I just explained I'm like, yeah, we work for a test prep company, which would assume that we actually helped, you know, prep the students, and oh, we were God, smart no, enough to do I that. Know. No, no we're we actors. Dr- we can't help them. I'm mean, gonna help someone with the LSAT. We drove around in a fucking van. We got into vans yeah. and dr- and dropped books <laughs> off around the city, right? With uh, Flynn, yes. remember we all drove us the and vans. John Flynn drove the van. That these rickety vans loaded. Oh. I mean, it was just. We were like the disorderlies. We were not. We were not. It was like if the Fat Boys made a sequel where they rolled around in a rusty van throwing test prep manuals into schoolyards, you'd be like, yeah, that seems about right. Yeah, that was my, at this time, I think that was my position. I was in charge of the books. They put me in charge of like the library. And my job was just making sure that we had all the books you know, stock in the All library, right. and I would waste so much time just <laughs> slowly shifting books, and like I would just stretch it out. I mean, see, it should have taken me a day. That's it. The books are the books are alphabetical. That's it. And I stretched that out for like an entire year. Yeah, because the way we got paid, you could show up for work. You didn't know if there was going to be work for you on yeah. a given work day, so you showed you could up. Be there at eight hours and do an hour of work, maybe. Yeah. and only get paid for that one hour of work. Yeah. Right. It was like so, by, you got paid by assignment, not by the di- time you spent there. Yeah, so no, I, I stretched it out. I would take the books Good. out. I'd put them back in. I'd move them around. I don't know. <laughs> I think uh, maybe the ACT should be a little more prominently featured. Let me just look at that. Like, it was ridiculous. So, but, oh um, but yeah, it was a good time. What were and you guys doing? John G. and Petro was our boss. Johnny um, G. 
Big Johnny J. Yet another Hofstrian, and we had several Oops. other Hofstrians who worked there. John Flynn. Was there yes. Uh, where were you? Were you at Princeton Review you, at this time, Jason? No, no. I was at the PR firm. Oh, that's right. Hunter, Hunter PR with uh, oh, Mike right. Sarabian. And I actually write this week. I had just, just gotten back from Arkansas rep in Little Rock, where I was oh. doing uh, All My Sons, Arthur Miller's All My Sons. And I played... Chris Keller in that, and that was no. All my sons, the great American play. Stupid, stupid people. Were you Robbie Chip or Ernie or Uncle What's His Face or Fred McMurray? I was, I was, you know, a little bit of all of them. A spiritual brother to them all. No, I still think that's still one of my all. I mean, it's probably my top three favorite things I've ever done. That was directed by Eve Adamson, you said? Eve Adamson, who was the, um, she was the founder of a theater in New York uh, that no longer exists, unfortunately, called the Jean Cocteau Rep. She oh, was yeah. a brilliant woman, brilliant director. Um, and I, uh, and then she, she and I met at Texas Shakespeare Festival and she cast me as Hamlet there. And then after we worked there, Never she brought me to um, uh, Arkansas Rep, which was at that time run by uh, Bob Hupp, who now runs Syracuse Stage, where I work right. a lot. And, um, and you just did uh, the production uh, of Tally's Follies, directed just by Just did the production of Tally's yeah. Folly, directed by, yeah, we we filmed it for streaming. My wife, Kate Hamill, and I uh, just did it. Can't uh, wait. We spent four weeks there rehearsing, and we, we rehearsed it like a play, performed it like a play, but we didn't have audiences. We had a four-camera setup, and we uh, we filmed it. And it's, in fact, I think today... It's available for streaming. So right now that's that's a thing people can buy tickets to. But anyway, Bob's a great director. He's just a great leader. And he was great when he ran uh, Arkansas Rep 2. And I worked there a bunch of times. But All My Sons was my first time down in Little Rock. And I had a, that was a great time. I had a wonderful time. That was a a great town. That's fantastic. It's a great town. And it was a funny fall. I had, I had, was going through a breakup and I was just, you know, you know, you just need things that are confidence builders in those moments. And the show was a really great confidence builder. And just the, the, the group of friends I made while I was there and just everything about that experience was great. And then when I got back, I was really enjoying through the holiday season and stuff. I was really enjoying New York and being back in New York. It was a good, it was a good, healthy time being, uh, uh, I just remember that fall of 2003 was, um, was a good time in a lot of ways. So, and Dan, so you were you were off uh, on the cruise ship, eh? What a time! This was a uh, I've mentioned it here in the podcast before. This was a six star, six star, not five, not iTunes, six. You got As we said before, a, a six Sheila cruise ship, <laughs> exactly six Sheila cruise line. I feel like by this time we were finishing up uh, South America, and it's so funny because we're about to talk about master and commander you go around that cape horn holy mm. macaroni it is rough seas down there really? just like we see in the movie oh yeah wow. yeah yeah yeah. that's, that's all right, i can think about you really went all i mean you literally yeah. went all over the world but yeah. now this, this was your second cruise ship no or, this was the first oh, one. this was the first one this was okay. the first one so this was not the world cruise this was brazil argentina chile i went to freaking Uruguay, you guys. I went to Uruguay. I went to all of these Montevideo, Uruguay. I went to um I saw where Ava Perone did the 
the Casa Rosada where she had her, you know, she mm-hmm. in, in the, in the, in the musical. I remember only one story from when you were on that ship at yes, this please. time. And so maybe you can remind me if I'm correct. I think it was when you yes. were in Brazil and didn't a group of kids swarm you and try and try to take your backpack off of you and you had to like curl up into the fetal position and drop oh. to the ground so that these fucking kids would not Were get away going, with Uncle your Indy, bag? Uncle Indy, please come on, please come on, Uncle <laughs> no, Indy. No. Uh, that's, that's, that's how I picture it. I remember you telling me that. I remember being in our living room and you telling me that story and I was like, oh, you Jesus into the fetal Christ. position? I have Like to stories. protect your... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Brad, I can't believe I've never told you this. I don't know. This doesn't sound familiar. Okay. Fortaleza, Brazil. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> me. Okay. I'm a, I'm, I got you. I got it. Uh, in 2003. So how, however old I am, am I in my 30s at this point? It so you were 52. I'm 30. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, right? Just turned 30. Just turned 30. Imagine. Ima- okay. Remember how uh, when, when, when Rodney Dangerfield pulls up. And he's like, this is my pal Wang. I kind of looked like Wang. Cameras hanging off. I had a camera hang. I'm not kidding you. I had a camera hanging off. I was wearing like jorts. I had a, I had a Tidewater Tides baseball cap that I had gotten in when we stopped off in Norfolk or whatever on one of the places on the, on the cruise. And I looked like, you know, every American tourist you could possibly look like. I had a backpack <laughs> like I'm like I'm 16 and going to camp. <laughs> I'm alone. It's Fortaleza, Brazil. It's not like, you know, I'm in Paris. I'm in the middle of nowhere. And so I'm walking around. I'm, you know, I spent the day walking around, exploring, whatever, like I did. I'm maybe, I don't know, a five-minute walk to the ship at this point. I'm almost back. I'm almost back. Somebody, boom, takes my hat, runs out into the middle of the street. And they're yelling, yelling, yelling in Portuguese at me. Hmm. And it's a kid. It's a kid. He's, you know, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that. And he's yelling, trying to get me into the street to cut if I want my hat back. He's waving it around. And then another kid joins him and they're, you know, blah, 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 out in the middle of the street. And I was like, come on, guys. It's my hat. Come on. Take my hat. Seriously. (laughs) You can imagine me trying to reason in another language with children. (laughs) Then behind me. Two older kids, 16, 17, they start jawing at me. Then one by one, all these kids surrounded me. And before I know it, I mean, they're all around me and they're grabbing at me and pulling at me and they're trying to get my backpack off. Right. That's terrifying. I take my, I manage somehow to get my camera off. I shove that in my one pocket of my jorts. I have my, I know my wallet with my like ship ID and my like passport and everything in there is in my other pocket. And I shove my hand down that pocket. So I got, you know, right hand in, left hand in, holding onto my camera and my ID and money and everything. And then they start tugging, tugging, tugging at my backpack. And I basically back, there's like a wall right there. So I back up against this wall and then slide down the wall down onto the ground. And now I'm basically a turtle. I I completely draw my knees in. I I draw my my, uh, elbows into my body and tuck my chin to my chest and basically just turtle it as these kids are tugging and pulling and and trying to get my hands out of my pockets. And oh I just God. completely go, you know, uh, totally stone. And I'm like, I'm going to die. This will be the moment that I die. And then I swear to God, 
a moment of calm and peace came over me because I was like, all right, this is the end. This is how it ends for Dan Matisse. And I just accepted it. I just accepted it. You guys, it's so weird. Yeah. And I remember it like it was yesterday and it was just like a, like that. And the second I did that, there was a gunshot. (gasps) I am not lying to you. A distant gunshot. And they all scattered, all the kids scattered. Whoa. And I was lying there on my back on top of my uh, backpack. And I looked around and I went, they're all gone. Okay, am I bleeding? Am I cut? Am I hurt? Am I bruised? Nothing. Not a scratch on me. Not a scratch. Did they get anything? Wallet, phone, backpack intact. Okay, they only got my hat. All right. I get up. A car pulls up. Starts yelling at me in Portuguese to get in the car. And I was like, no, no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I think they were trying to see if I was okay and needed help or needed mm-hmm. assistance or needed to get to a hospital or anything like that or needed the police or anything. I was like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Smiled, thumbs up, everything. I didn't realize how close I was to the ship. I was very close to it. So I kind of just do a light jog to back to the ship. I knew where to go. And I round the corner. Go on the ship, show my ID. They scan it, boom, into the ship, into my cabin, shut the door, lock the door, and cry my eyes out. I'm sure. And God, just, that must have been, that sounds uh, horrifying. Oh, my God. It was unbelievable. I'm not, you know, I was, it was one of those things where it was like, did that actually happen? You know? Yeah. And it, I mean, it absolutely did. No question about it. It was like, it. They, they were just waiting for someone like you. Just waiting for, no oh, question. there we go. No question Here about it. Here comes the dumb American tourist. Exactly. No. That story <laughs> is Looney Tunes. Uh, Looney Tunes. Yeah. What, what better segue from, from a man weeping <laughs> in a ship cabin after releasing himself to the prospect of death than... Looney Tunes back in action. Looney Tunes back in action. A rabbit, a duck, a girl, a boy. Yeah. You, you, him, her, them. And the evil head of the Acme Corporation who's determined to take over the world. We must capture this son of a spy. And we must locate the diamond and use its powers for our own diabolical ends. How do you like that, Mr. Slap Yourself on Your Own Face? <laughs> Who has dynamite? Welcome to my world. Sick of ceding the spotlight to Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck is unceremoniously fired by Warner Brothers studio exec Kate Houghton, played by Jenna Elfman, when he demands equal pay and billing. Get it? Billing. <laughs> Ducks have bills. Daffy then goes on a studio lot rampage, taking down security guard DJ Drake, played by Brendan Fraser, in the process. But when DJ's A-list actor dad, played by Timothy Dalton, is kidnapped by the evil Mr. Chairman, played by Steve Martin, DJ and Daffy try to rescue him while also being pursued by Kate and Bugs. Lots of other cacophonous shit happens as well in Joe Dante's homage to the Warner Brothers cartoons that influenced so much of his work, including significant portions of Twilight Zone the movie and Gremlins 2 the new batch. 
Looney Tunes Back in Action earned $9.3 million over its opening weekend, en route to a domestic take of $20.9 million and a worldwide total of $68.5 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Looney Tunes Back in Action? I gotta say, for a good portion of it, I had a good time. I enjoyed it. Now, there was another good portion that I did not. Correct. But I, I was really sort of surprised i almost there was a there was a point where i thought maybe i'll just skip this maybe i'll just go to wikipedia and not Mm. watch it because i just i thought it was going to be awful i i actually thought especially it 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 lost me you know around halfway through to the end but the first half of it i thought it was a lot of fun it was really meta it was yes i thought it was funny it was completely irreverent uh, it was, mm-hmm. it, it, it totally laughed at itself and made fun of itself. And w- which I really, I, I love the idea. I mean, it was, you know, I was always a fan of Roger Rabbit, so mm. it was cool just yeah, to, it's uh, very ha- Roger how Rabbit. are these characters mm-hmm. going to inhabit the real world? But what I think I, I think what I appreciated the most, other than the fact that it just didn't take itself seriously, it, it was a Warner Brothers cartoon everything about it it was filmed that way it wasn't just like warner brothers cartoon characters in the real world the world was a warner brothers cartoon Mm -hmm. steve martin when steve martin first started i had like a a a wild array of emotions because at first i thought oh that's so funny he's going back to his old you know sort of crazy wild and crazy guy shtick there was a little bit of like Ruprecht the monkey boy from dirty rotten scoundrels but it was a steve martin that we haven't seen in a long time you know that really like just off the wall crazy you know for, there's for a soul. reason and there's yes. a reason we didn't see it since then yes it's true but i will say so when it started <laughs> i thought oh that's sort of cool and then immediately i thought oh god this is awful and then i thought no he's just playing a warner brothers cartoon character he's playing this is He's playing like a Marvin the Martian type thing. Now, did I get sick of it after a while? Yes. But I appreciated the fact that he's like, well, if I'm going to do, I'm just going to play a cartoon character. So I liked it. But he's not good at that kind of thing, Fred. He's not, that's not his wheelhouse. He's He's not Martin Short. Yeah, you're right. There were moments where I enjoyed it. And like I said, there were times that I I got a little tired of it. And then there were moments where it was fun again. But it was, he, he... I mean, there there were elements of, you know, the early stuff that he did in The Jerk and, like, the more physical comedy that he does. Sure, yeah, I guess. Um, but and, and I guess maybe that's the thing. Like, Ruprecht the Monkey Boy from Dirty Round Scoundrels, that's fantastic, but it's in small doses. Yes. This is, he's doing that throughout the whole movie. Yeah, but again, right. I appreciated the fact. I thought, well, he's fi- he's playing a Looney Tunes character. Where's your Simity sack? <laughs> ah, what is your report? Well, oh, boss, it wasn't me. Oh, that rousing, frowsing, ducking a crazy and sun DJ and a humming, humming of dusty tails. And, uh, well, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I was very surprised. I was very And I, in the beginning, I'm like, oh, I really like Brendan Fraser. And then there came to a point where I thought, I think Brendan Fraser's even getting tired of this. It looked like he was <laughs> thinking, ah, oh, shit, I did. You know, really? Is this what it is now? It's just these types of movies? Like, he just looked... And I think after the initial... He's good at that, though. He is good at that. He is very good at it, and he's totally game. Um, mm. You know, and it was mm-hmm. just... It, he is. He's all, very all game. The, all the different 
you know, people showing up, I, I thought was funny. Like Joan, Joan Cusack, Cusack, Kevin McCarthy, you're doing his invasion of the body snatchers. That thing. was fun. It was very, like I said, it was very, it, it was irreverent and it, it, it really, it, it was just having fun. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What'd you think, yeah. Dan? I got to ever, however, when did Mel Blanc die? I don't know, but he's sorely. When missed. did he die? I yes. said I don't know. I, I don't know. He was he was in Brazil, and a bunch of kids. <laughs> they didn't know he was a tourist. They just thought he was some old Brazilian man. Oh wait, no. Still. The 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 the. Okay, if you're not going to make these cartoon, it starts off with what you think is an actual Looney Tunes cartoon, Wabbit Season, Duck Season, a yes. classic, mm-hmm. classic, classic. But there's something not quite right. There's something off about it. It's a little too slick. The voices yep. aren't quite right. It's a little too fluid. It doesn't mm. look. And then it's the timing is a little off. It's not that frizz freeling sort of timing. And 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 through the fr- and then you realize oh they they're making a new version of it. And Daffy's disgruntled and and he's you know and um, that's the whole thing is he wants a better deal and wants to be the star like Bugs. Okay, but. I for the f- good first half hour, I was like, I'd rather be watching the actual Wabbit season, Duck season. I'd rather be actually watching the actual Looney Tunes cartoons. I can't get into this. I just can't mm. get into this because they sound wrong and they look wrong. They don't look right, you know, and it's not Mel Blanc's voice. So I can't. And then I got into the story. <laughs> I like started caring about Brendan Fraser finding the worst of the bonds. You know, which I think is that's very funny. Actually, is oh, that absolutely. they picked the worst James Bond, yeah. by far the worst James Bond, oh, to and be they like were totally, the, su- and they the were, actual super spy. Yes, and they were totally know. playing off that. And of I think they, they knew were. what they were doing. Of course and, they were. You yeah. know, it's not, they didn't pick Sean Connery or Roger Moore. They picked the one that everyone summarily agrees is the worst of them all, Timothy Dalton, next to George Lazenby. Which, if had they dug him up, that would have been even better. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really just a setup for gags, and it's fun, yes. and some of them work. You know. The whole Area 52 sequence with Joan Cusack is great. And that's right in Joe Dante's wheelhouse. Robbie the Robot shows up. All these great sci-fi, you know. that's when I sort of got a little bored, actually. Oh, really? That was the part I I liked. That part and the part where they're going in and out of the paintings, like the scream and the the Surratt thing. I love that. Because that, to me, was so classic Looney Tunes, you know. And and to me, that's what it was. It was just gag, 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 gag. And I appreciated that. And I sort of liked the fact that the story came second. And it doesn't fucking matter. It's just Acme is trying to take over the world and turn people into monkeys. Yeah. and, And that's fine. That's fine you know and they they get wiley coyote in there and that's that that sequence i enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, steve martin just this is the same uh, same reason i can't stand him in those those pink panther pink panther makes yeah. he just needs to i love him in stuff like father of the bride and roxanne and things like that but when yeah. he's doing these broad martin short kind of physical and vocal things i just i don't buy i just i do not buy it it looks like he's straining and and stretching himself too thin it looks like he, it's very very labored so i'm like ah this doesn't this doesn't feel right but uh, surprisingly i had the opposite effect fred i got more into it as it went you know the part you liked fred i didn't care for and the part you liked dan i didn't care for i <laughs> 
<laughs> this movie, and I love Joe Dante. I'm the biggest Joe Dante fan. I'm like, you know, the I Gremlins love, love theme Gremlins. came in at one point. Yes. Yeah, when he yeah. when he was driving a Gremlin, when he was like, oh look, that's my dad's old car. It was a Gremlin. Oh, I didn't get it. So that's why the Gremlins theme came in. I and I loved that early on. It wasn't that it was great or anything, but I like the meta-ness and they're on the Warner Brothers studio a lot. I always liked when the old Looney Tunes would do that and talk about the, you know, so it was fun to to see the lot and to see, um, you know, the yeah, Lethal Weapon fun. baby mm. poster and and to see. Oh, that was them, a great you know, line. What was the line? He says, um, oh, thank God I can finally take my grandkids to a Lethal Weapon movie. <laughs> I that was yeah, funny. yeah. <laughs> and they steal the Batmobile and the Batman stuntman can't do the thing. So it's all the iconography of, right. of the Warner Brothers lot. And that's always fun. And that's something that not only did the Looney Tunes do, but obviously Mel Brooks had done it with Blazing Saddles. It's like fun. Warner yes. Brothers is a studio. As a studio, Warner Brothers has a great gift for making fun of it. There's no other studio motion True. picture studio that makes fun of itself yeah, as often right. or in That's so many true. ways. In the Gremlins movies, they do it. In the Mel Brooks movies, they do it. There's other things too. Looney Tunes, just as a brand, does it. Maybe it, they maybe make fun of the actual Warner Brothers in this. Yeah. They're played by the yes. twins from the twins from, from Gremlins too. <laughs> and, the, and Gremlins, Gremlins too. too. They're also they they play uh, they play cloned scientists and <laughs> Gremlins too. Um, yeah, there's a lot of the a lot of uh, Joe Dante's stable of actors from the Gremlins movies and Inner Space and stuff like Robert Picardo and Dick Miller. Like you see, yeah. Dick Miller, all his, yeah, like, yeah, all Dick his great, cat, you know, all his actors are there. <laughs> Heather Locklear, um, that's fun. Okay, Heather Locklear huh? surrounded by dwarves wearing Yosemite Sam masks is the stuff of nightmares. It's it <laughs> yeah. was first that, of all, I was like, wait, is that? Is that Heather Locklear? Yeah, she's Heather doing Locklear. Britney Spears, though. Like, she's doing a Britney Spears, is she not? Right, yeah, that's oh, the but... problem with this movie. The same way you're like, well, we can't get Mel Blank because he's dead, so we've got this <laughs> other guy doing these voices not as well. You've got like, well, we can't get Britney Spears, so let's get a woman 40 years older than Britney Spears <laughs> who kind of, sort of, if you squeeze your eyes together right. and, rub, and rub Vaseline on the lens, makes you think Britney Spears... What With all the, wasn't it? It was scary seeing all those little Yosemite. I was like, are they children? Are they dwarves? Are they are they actual little Yosemite Sams that were created in a lab? I don't know. I had I. I That's the only thing that would have made Dan's experience in Brazil more terrifying. <laughs> if he was if he was attacked well, by children well, with little, I'll tell little you tiny this. Yosemite Sams. I'll tell you this right now. At the much like Dan. Much like Dan in Brazil with those children, at the 30-minute mark, with 66% of the movie left to go, I officially you gave into up. a fetal position? I just, I just, no, I just decided, I just, I just sighed. I, I just laid there and I let it happen to me. I just let it happen until the gunshot that signaled the end of the movie told me that I could go back to the ship of, of my bed. Um... No, it's it was like it was just it was gar it was just manic. It was too much the whole time. It was too much. It was it drove me yeah. batty. Oh, of it course. just uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wanted to enjoy it. But you know? I, I guess I, I guess that's what I liked about it because it was like I said that that was a uh, that was a Looney Tunes. It was just, they, they were like we're just gonna do a Looney Tunes cartoon. We're just gonna it go. Was. For it was it. so convoluted. Oh, I had no well, idea what was going on. I no, gave up too. It was, 
unfollowable. I don't know what the story was. I can follow a Looney Tunes cartoon most of the time. I couldn't follow this with the blue monkey diamond and least... the all the. It was just too. It was too too much. So count me in. Spy caper, double agents, exploding bikinis, tigers hanging from helicopters. I'm through with showbiz. From now on, I'm gonna live the adventure. Next stop, Las Vegas. So take my dad's old car. Ah, a super spy car. Let's ride. This isn't a spy car. <laughs> Your dad's a spy, ipso ergo, a spy car. Used to deliver pizzas in this car. Secret pizzas? A spy pie, maybe? <laughs> I'm the biggest Joe Dante fan that there is. I love Gremlins, Gremlins 2, Inner Space, Twilight Zone. Everything the guy does, I think he's I think he's uh, quirky, brilliant. And, and, the herbs. The Burbs is great. The Burbs is really fun, uh, you know, I, and I know he's hit and miss for a lot of people. And I, I tend to like go along with I, I buy what he's selling. But this just <laughs> apparently Joe Dante didn't. I mean, he his hands were tied behind his back. He did not. This is not the movie he wanted oh, to make at all. As really? a matter of oh, well. as, as a matter of fact, it said and this this was crazy. If you, if you go to if you look up the movie, they talk a lot about it, how I guess they wanted to capitalize off Space Jam. Mm -hmm. Michael Jordan didn't want to do it. So one of the producers lied to the artist and said that Michael Jordan was still doing it so they would keep working. And then, yeah, they brought Joe Dante on Joe Dante. I was reading that like. You so know, everything weird. that Joe Dante wanted to do, they said no. They brought in all these gag writers. He didn't they direct did. Space Jam, Joe Dante? No, he did no. not. Oh, no. Okay. And he said, you know, he didn't want to do a Space Jam. He wanted to pay homage to the classic Looney Tunes. But mm. there was a quote where, where they said basically um, it, it wasn't his movie. The beginning, the middle, and the end were not at all what Joe Dante wanted to do for the movie. And I'm thinking, <laughs> so none well, of it. What, what else is there except the beginning, <laughs> the middle, and the end? <laughs> I felt the same way about Steve Martin as you did, Dan. I thought that was I thought that was a case of like, I don't think he has any material to work with, really. So he's just trying to he's trying to gin something up and be goofy and weird. But it didn't it didn't he's going, work What for would me. my pal Martin Short do in this situation? I'll do something like that. I'll add no, I, it. I, I didn't think there's anything you, inspired I, about it. Though, I really I think I he was very... just let me just be a, a, the human embodiment of a Looney Tunes character villain. Yeah, that that, is, we don't okay, need that. Okay, but that that human <laughs> is sitting at the table. His name's Ron Perlman. He has two lines. <laughs> two he lines? Is, yeah, he, was he right. is a human Looney Tunes character villain. Yeah, have him stand up, fire Steve Martin, say, Ron Perlman, do you have at it? Poor His, Ron He Perlman. was great. His one line that he got he to great. say, he was great. But Was he? Steve, I thought he was. I thought he was Come kind of funny. On, fuck you. He was great. He, he was. Lines. He, he did, I yeah. felt awful for him. Like, I, oh, I, I felt bad that he didn't have more of a part, but none of those First guys did. First, insulted Robert by Picardo. Marlon Brando and ah. by Moreau and then this. Like, the, it was like the indignity ah. of it all. Well, this was a year before Hellboy. It was a year before he was going to... Make his <laughs> make his way in the world in a new way. Um, oh God! No, you know oh, we you like say Ron that about Perlman. We like him. You say that about Ron Steve Perlman. Martin being, you know, a Looney Tunes character. But the thing is, the the humans aren't Looney Tunes. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the Roger Rabbit thing. It's like the there are the humans, and then there are the cartoon characters. And Steve Martin trying to bridge that gap just didn't work. Sometimes he had an accent. Sometimes he didn't. It was it felt sloppy. It felt like a sloppy performance. What did you think me. of Elfman? What did you think of Janet Elfman? She was barely there. She was she, she was a total cipher. That's not her fault. That's the movie. It gave her nothing to do but like look at like things that Brandon Fraser was doing. Um Who's your favorite Looney Tunes character? Oh, good Bugs question. Bunny. Bugs Bunny has always been mine. All right, non-Bugs Bunny. Come on, you can't go for one of the it's just like saying Han Solo <laughs> when on in episode 1. Go back to episode 1, people.
I always like the Tasmanian Devil. Oh yeah, he's like my favorite. I like Tasmanian. And I and I always loved Daffy when he was uh, Duck Dodgers in the twenty fourth and a half century. Uh-huh. Yes, that was that fun. I loved. Yeah, that was always fun. Boy, now see now Ooh, I've screwed like. myself because now I can't think of anyone but like. Bugs, Daffy, Porky, the main people. Yeah. Um, I always had uh, a uh, a special place uh, in my heart uh, for um, uh, Tweety Bird. And Tweety mm. Bird's sort of evil in this. You know, Tweety Bird, yeah, Granny, and Sylvester, mm-hmm. Sylvester are sort of like evil, like operatives of the Acme Corporation in this, mm-hmm. which I thought was kind of a neat, kind of a neat twist. Um, or are they really? There are other people in disguise, aren't they? They're Bill Goldberg and Steve Martin in disguise. Don't they? Turn I mean, out again, Goldberg? this movie's a fever dream. I mean, <laughs> why? Just the fact that you're saying Heather Locklear had midgets around. It. Now then, Tweety Bird is Steve Goldberg for fuck's sake. And it's like Bill Goldberg. Steve Steve Goldberg from Ron Konkuma shows up. Wait, Bill Goldberg, the wrestler. I thought Bill Goldberg's. I thought that was Steve Goldberg. I thought that was the guy's name, the wrestler. Yeah, I think you're conflating Goldberg, Bill Goldberg, with Stone Cold Steve Austin because they're basically they the, the same. same person. Oh, they're well, that's fine. The same human. Okay, yeah. Bill Goldberg. Bill, Bill Goldberg doesn't sound like your accountant. What am I? What are you saying? You're like, huh? Come on. Steve Goldberg isn't a name for a wrestler. Bill William Goldberg is. You want to get a, you want to get hit in the face with a chair by William M Goldberg. What um, is going on outside of your your house right now, people, Jason? They're, 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 people it's are dying Tales. in the streets. It's not good. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Oh the streets of Florence Hills. They've raided the Trader Joe's. Is that why? Well, so soon enough. Soon enough. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I like Foghorn Leghorn. Foghorn. <laughs> Oh, I got to pick somebody who's not Bugs Bunny. I, I so what you're that. saying is you wanted this movie to go to the far end of the world. <gasps> Please, oh, yes, go, go, go to. The, this is back, back when people thought the Earth was flat and that you could go to the end <laughs> and fall off. That's what I want. <laughs> no, I, I really do. I like Looney Tunes and I like Joe Dante. I just didn't. Uh, I, this movie did not do it for me. But okay, uh, fair enough. Oh, Sheila's. How many Sheila's? Oh. You know what? I'm gonna give it a five. Holy it, I, yeah, it made me laugh. It made me laugh way more than I thought, and I enjoyed. I'll give it a five because I enjoyed half of the movie. Yeah, that's good. The other that's... half, not so much. Uh, 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 I Damn. will go. Uh, oh, I like the. I like the. Uh, you know, the biggest part of this. This must. This must have been what threw you off, Jason. Yeah. Because the biggest, the most feverish part of this fever dream mm-hmm. is the assertion that Roger Corman would be directing a oh. Batman movie. <laughs> yes. yes. So I have I a feeling that when you saw that happening, you were like, fuck you, yeah. Joe Dante, <laughs> Warner Brothers, and everyone else. Roger Corman directing the next Batman movie? Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, you're probably so right. For that reason, I will go four on it. Four I'm going go, to go 2.5. I did not laugh Ooh. at all, and I it was giving me a headache. It was giving me, I, was, I felt anxious during <laughs> the whole all movie. Right. That's rough. Uh, that is rough. That's rough. That's rough waters. Rough waters. <gasps> oh, Fred, just keep it coming. Keep so it coming. Good. You're so uh, good, He's very good. This I want you guys he, to be both my master and commander. All right, now oh, it's getting weird. Uh, you guys want to go to the brown party with me? Suffering. Succotash. Yes, let's move on to master and commander, the far side of the world. Torn between fulfilling his duty 
captain's not called Lucky Jack for no reason. Phantom or no, Lucky Jack will have her. In the lives of the men he commands, Steady! he must face the invincible. He fights like you, Jack. A hunter becomes the hunted. Well then, there's not a moment to lose. The men would follow you anywhere. As a friend, I would say that we should have turned back weeks ago. It's leadership they want. Strength. Find that within yourself, and you will earn their respect. In 1805, aboard the HMS Surprise, the brash Captain Jack Aubrey, played by Russell Crowe, and his trusted friend, the ship's scholarly surgeon, played by Paul Bettany, are ordered to hunt down and capture a powerful French vessel off the South American coast. Though Napoleon is winning the war and the men and their crew face an onslaught of obstacles, including their own internal battles, Lucky Jack is determined that nothing will stop the surprise from completing its mission. The film's plot and characters are adapted from three different novels in author Patrick O'Brien's series, which includes 20 adventures in total, many of which the film's co-producers hope to adapt as a series of sequels. The return on investment at the box office was not enough to warrant more Master and Commander movies, but the film did earn 10 Oscar nominations, including nods for Best Picture and for Peter Weir as Best Director, and racked up wins for cinematography and sound editing. Master and Commander took in $25.1 million over its opening weekend, with a domestic tally of $93.9 million and a worldwide total of $211.6 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World? I had never seen it before. It passed by me. What did it lose the Oscar to? This is Lord of the Rings' year. Okay. Boy, um, I wish I had seen this when it came out. I wish I had seen it before now. This is quite easily, for me, one of the best movies we've seen on this podcast. I was blown away, you guys. I loved this. I wanted to watch it again the second it ended. I was so moved by its message. And it, you're going to think I'm nuts. It reminded me so much of Star Trek. Oh, no. I wrote that oh, down. Oh, yeah, I can see that. I, I wouldn't have Bo thought that, but now that you mention it, absolutely. Kirk, Kirk yeah. and Bones, I thought about immediately. Yes. Yeah. Immediately. Yes. Absolutely. You've got the, you know, you, you have the, 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 you know, in essence, the, they're both discoverers, right? They're mm -hmm. both voyagers. They're both on a journey, but one has to deal with, you know, the reality of, <laughs> Mm -hmm. You know, the Klingons, the Romulans, potentially being in battles, potentially being at war, you know, and then the other one is the humanist, the sort of uh, the, the one naturalist, who is, is, right? Yeah, exactly. The yeah. naturalist, the humanist, the, the one who's like, here's what's good about going around the world and discovering cool. things and, and finding out about nature and our nature and what makes, you know, what what makes this place amazing. And then, you know, you have this other instinct which is to protect and also to destroy right because without that security you can't do the other thing mm -hmm. without you know because napoleon's moving the war into the pacific we have to stop him otherwise we can't live our dreams and do these other things that we want to do which is go to the galapagos islands and discover all the the wonders of the world i mean this movie had everything had fucking everything in it i, I just i, I want to watch it again right now it's so 
goddamn good. And those two guys are so good in it. Yeah. And you, it's totally unpredictable. I had no idea whether the surprise was going to sink or float by the end of this thing. Mm. I had no idea how it was going to end. I want to buy this, the DVD of this. I want to <laughs> own it. I want to see all the backs, the behind the scenes. The other thing is you get to know how ships work. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. and that's what the books the do. Oh, that's, really? That's the whole thing with the books. I I, I read the first one, and I know people. I mean, I first heard of this. No, I'm sorry. I heard of the books after the movie. I didn't see the movie when it came out, but okay. I knew of the books later because I would I would I ran into a few people that were reading them, and it, what was interesting was the people that I met. I would ask them. I say, are are you you know, do you sail? Are you a nautical guy? And they'd be going, no, not at all. But the books really immerse you into that world, which is what the movie does. It's so immersive. And in many ways, Paul Bettany is the audience, you know, this fish out of yes. water. Yeah. And, you know, especially in the beginning, there's so much mm-hmm. where he doesn't understand. He doesn't know what's going on. Right. So they're sort of explaining to him and we're learning as well. Um, Yep. But just I, like I, Bones I, on Star Trek is exactly, all the time. He's yeah. like, what is this, these transporters? I hate being, tra- you know, being mm-hmm. blown apart into a million pieces and put back together on the planet. Yeah. Like he's always like worried about the technology and the the realities of living on the ship. This, mm-hmm. this is so good. And even if I weren't a Star Trek fan, I would feel that way. But I just kept thinking about that the whole time. This is a movie that I could watch over and over and over <gasps> again and took me by surprise. And I love I it. Uh, I, so when I first saw it, I was just in. I loved it. The characters, it's one of my favorite Russell Crowe performances. Yeah. I, I think love, it might be my favorite one. Like, he's like my so absolute good. favorite. Stephen, I profoundly respect your right to disagree with me here in this cabin, but I can only afford one rebel on this ship. I hate it when you talk at the surface in this way. It makes me so very low. Do you think I want to flog Nagel? A man who stood beside me on the gunnel and hacked the ropes that sent his mate to his death under orders. Under my orders. Do you not see it? The only things that keep this little wooden world together are hard work, discipline. Jack, the man failed to salute. For God's sake, Stephen, there's hierarchies even in nature, as you've often said yourself. There is no disdain in nature. There is no humiliation. Men must be governed. Often not wisely, I'll grant you, but they must be governed nonetheless. That's the excuse of every tyrant in history, from Nero to Bonaparte. And I, for one, am opposed to authority. Your opposition is not my concern. Misery and oppression. You've come to the wrong shop for anarchy, brother. You know, Aubrey's got that passion and conviction and, you know, that drive and he keeps going, but he loves his crew and especially he loves the little kids, you know, Mm -hmm. and he's like a father and he doesn't go so he he goes far because he knows there's got to be discipline. There's got to be tradition. We have a mission. But he doesn't go as far as Captain Blyde does. And now it also helps because Paul Bettany's there as his best friend to sort of speak reason to him. Mm -hmm. Right. their relationship is great. And, and just, it's such a different style of movie. You know, that opening title is so ominous and different. The oceans are battlefields. Oh, I loved that. I was it's hooked in right there. Right I was like, there. you got me. This movie yeah, got you're me like, already. Holy shit, this is something we do not see on screen. This no. is a story that is never, never told. You're and exactly it's, right, Fred. And I was like, why hasn't this been told? That. Yeah, and just like when they're going through all the tactical maneuvers and like, holy shit, yeah, they have to, you know, load the cannons and then quickly run to the cannons on the other side because the (laughs) ship's going to have to turn, you know. And the opening shots just set up the ship life so simply and well. Everything is so lived in. It's completely immersive. Yeah. You know, the movie almost in a way it starts where most movies would be in the middle of it, you know, where right away you see this boat 
you know, in the fog. Yeah, it's got a late it, point of attack. Yeah, they're yeah. already in the midst. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's something different. It's just an interesting, it's a it, different and interesting means of warfare. Um, <laughs> Boy, and, yeah. you know, that we Scary. don't get to see. It's such a great story of friendship, too. You know, and oh, seeing yeah. them play the music together, like that's just like them oh, jamming, but yeah. they're jamming <laughs> to the popular music back then. So of right. course they're, you know, on the fiddle and the cello. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I'd seen it when it opened. I mm. saw it in the theaters a couple of times. I saw it. Oh, cool. um, I bought it immediately the day it came out on DVD in 2004. Wow. I've watched I it many, no many times. I had no idea you were that big of a fan of it. Wow. I love it. I thought it was brilliant. To me, mm. I, I agree with everything you guys said about every every point. I, I love the performances. I think Peter Weir is a, a G. I mean, that this is the, the man who made The Truman Show, which I think is one of the most brilliant oh, movies of the God, 90s. Yeah. And then a few oh, years yeah. later makes the He's just such Mosquito a, a chameleon witness. of a director. Yeah. Oh, I mean, gosh, wow. it's a great director. But I... To, to me, watching it today, as we're in the middle of all of this this election fallout and kind of all the question marks that are still hanging over our presidential election, I was like, this is really a movie about the nature of leadership. You know, what it is, what what yeah. what it takes yes. to make a leader. You need strength, but you also need compassion. You need to be able to make hard choices, but you need to, you know, be able to look out for the welfare of your of your people. And uh, there there's that great moment where they're sitting around. Everybody keeps asking Russell Crowe, Aubrey, about Lord Nelson. What was he like? Yeah, what was he like? Oh, what was he like? Great yeah. And he finally yeah. he, he tells the story. And and there, I think the phrase is that when you looked at him, you, your heart glows. When you're in his presence, your heart <laughs> glows. That's a real element of leadership, you know. I, uh, like them or not, you know. I, uh, politics aside, there's something about a Kennedy, a Reagan, an Obama. Like there are the 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 stars, you know, of of yeah. any, you know. That's that's in our country. But anyway, it, it's the amalgam. It's like all the different things coming together to make the the person that you that people look up to that people can follow can, that people will get will you know they may not always agree with but they'll they give themselves over to there's a certain alchemy there and i think walking that line and you know finding your own north star and and following that is uh, is a lot of what the movie felt like it was about to me yeah. like russell crowe navigating all of that and thank god he had a person like uh, am i saying the name right is it maturin or maturin i you know the way it's spelled I think it's maturin every leader needs that and some leaders don't have that and some leaders you know they they work in echo chambers and make decisions based on what they hear in the echo chamber and it's it's uh, it's very powerful to see that relationship and how Paul Bettany's character could have the influence on Russell Crowe and vice versa and i just want to say one other thing uh, about this which is that that little boy i think oh, the character's so name good. is Blakely this is the little boy who loses his his arm and oh. he this, there's this integrity that you see in him from from his very first scenes, and it yeah. it carries through the entire film. It's like he's he's becoming a leader in his own right. He's yeah. he's being yes. bred to be a leader, but he's also you talk about father. It's almost like he is the son in a strange yeah. way of both those of characters both because them. he is both, both a leader and a naturalist. Yes. He is a he's a military yeah. leader in the making with great compassion but also great instincts for to uh, for doing what needs to be done and doing the right thing and he's also a great respecter of of life yeah. and the natural the moment world. when great russell crowe finally gives him sort of like gives him command yes yeah. that's, that's, that's oh i mean it's it's just fantastic beautiful. lord blakeney feeling better much better thanks sir. well good good 
The doctor told me you were fond of reading, so I... It has all of his major battles in it and, and some very fine illustrations. Thank you, sir. Did you ever meet Lord Nelson, sir? I had the honour and privilege of serving with him at the Nile, a great victory. You can find it in here, actually. Page 135, if I'm not mistaken. May I beg you to tell me what kind of man he is? You should read the book. I will, sir. Thank you. Where, what was Paul Bettany doing before this? Like, what was the thing that sort of shot him to fame or mm -hmm. put him in the spotlight? Because I can't, oh, I, I couldn't know. remember what he did before this. Yeah. I have to tell no. you, it took me halfway through the movie to go, oh, that's Paul Bettany. Because <laughs> yeah, in my head, I'm like, he's Vision. I just keep thinking he's Vision. Exactly. He, yeah. He's so good in this he's, movie. What did he do? God, it's such a beautiful this. performance. Yeah. He's wonderful. I love what and you're I, saying, Jason, about the, the, the kid is sort of the perfect amalgam of the two yeah. of them. What a, what a great thing. He's a combination of them. Um, that's great. That is great. I have to Boy. see what I'm trying. I'm looking up what Paul Bettany... Oh, a beautiful mind was before this. Also, oh, also with Russell. With Crow, Russell Crowe. Crow. That's right. Because I remember thinking that, and again, it's it's such a stupid thing. I feel like I, when this movie came out, I remember thinking like, ah, it's the two guys from A Beautiful Mind again. Mm. You know, oh. uh, they always you know, like. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that's, I. Yeah, I just be. sort of I dismissed the movie when it came out. I think maybe at the time I was getting a little Russell Crowed out or something. I don't. He know was what all it over is. the place at this time. He, he, he really was, was, which which is so stupid because if, if and I don't know why. And I, I've true. mentioned that before about other performers. About what, and, uh, was it Whoopi or there was somebody else? We were talking about where like we had just seen a lot yeah. of her at a certain time or or another and then, male you know, actor. To get, then you're just like that's that's absurd because if they're good, they're good. And Russell Crowe always picks good stuff. And I mean, I really mm -hmm. I can't think of a performance of his that I'm like, nah, that stinks. He's just a great fucking actor. He's really great, and he's he's so good in this. And what I love about it, he, he there's just an energy and a boisterousness about it. And it's funny. Because, I, I, like I said, I didn't read the book before I saw the movie. I, I probably picked up the book maybe a year or so ago. Mm. And I actually think I recommended it to Kate, to your wife, Jason, because she was looking for, because the way it's oh, written, yeah. there's, there's a, now I haven't read that much Jane Austen, but there is a feel to it that is very Jane Austen-esque. Oh, um, or at least, yeah, I mean, it's very male dominated, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I remember thinking, oh, Kate would probably enjoy this. Uh, there's something about it, about the writing, but he, yeah, he's just wonderful. He's got, and I, I love that line. What does he say? Quicks the word and sharps the action. Yeah. yeah. Oh, what a great, yeah, he's, he's just really such good. a great father figure to everyone. And it, oh, so what I was saying was when I started to read the book, just the way the characters described, cause he's described as like a really big, stocky, boisterous guy. And I thought, wow. Mm. Wow, they really cast this well. Yeah, they that's... really did a good job with Russell Crowe. Yeah, hmm. you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. was great casting. The um, the way that you, you know, I'm thinking about, I'm thinking a lot about what um, you're saying about him being a leader and about being a father, and that about you know one of the big themes in this is what it means to be a good leader, and I love the fact that he is also flawed. Mm -hmm. He's not perfect. Mm -hmm. He makes errors. Yeah. He learns from his errors. <laughs> you know, sometimes at times when Paul Bettany has, says, hey, you're fucking this up. 
You know, Mm -hmm. you got to, you got to, you got to think of this uh, a little differently. You have a great opportunity here. You're screwing it up. You're, you're putting your own pride first. You remember he has that speech to him about like, I think you're doing this for pride. And he admits, he's like, Oh, the mission was, you know, only, only chasing path as far as Brazil. Right. I should have, I was, I completed my mission weeks ago, months ago. This is, I'm off, I'm going off script here. Basically I'm going away from my, my, uh, the mission that I was given. And that's, you know, he calls him out on it. He's like, this is about pride. And then, you know, there are times when Russell Crowe has to learn from his mistakes and learn from his errors. And that is the, one of the best leadership qualities, right? Is being able to go, Hey, I screwed this up. Let me, let me, let me learn from this and be better, you know, uh, uh, in the future. Now, is there a reason why they I mean, in a way, I'm sort of glad they did, and I like that it's just a standalone movie. But they, I mean, they definitely set it up at the end, you know, and right. with, the, with the sort of twist, which we can explain to you, Dan, if you want, and we'll yeah, say a spoiler. I, I think I got it like part of the way. But is there right. is there a reason? Do we know why they didn't? Because it was it, it, it was successful at the box office. Yeah, it was a not reason enough, why they though. the budget was oh. the budget was like 150 million dollars. So to make 200 million off of 150, you yeah. didn't you didn't make a profit because that's not even counting in marketing and other things. It just didn't make enough to make it worthwhile. So that's interesting. Why interesting. They were like the budget's only going to go up on those. You know what I mean? And sure. That's like, yeah. Like, What's they just yeah. And it took four studios to make this movie. <laughs> like oh, wow. Tony, I mean. It's not that that's such an exorbitant budget, 150 million. It's a lot, but there are movies being made for about that much or more at that time, certainly. But it was but probably it was, a hard sell, you know. It's how a hard are they sell. gonna sell this? Yeah, it's hey, not, let's do this old book about, you know, the nautical life about this guy Jack Arden's all gonna be set on sea. And yeah, you know, at that time it's people were like, What? A, it's a little delicate uh, to be, you know, like a monster hit. Yeah, I'm so glad that you guys that you guys <sighs> loved it as much as you did because oh, yeah. I I've always love this is just one of those movies that i sort of i sometimes forget about and then when i when it's brought up i go oh god i love that from top to bottom yeah it's just a great little perfect movie that yeah yeah i'm always happy to watch i do have to say the only other flaw in it is whenever i see the one hobbit i expect to see the other <laughs> one. if you're gonna see pippin you gotta see bobo or 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 a little mini yosemite sam how many Sheilas? Mm, I mean, I'm going with 9.5. I yeah. got to go a strong 9.5. I might even go 9.75 or wow. 9.755. <laughs> I was going to go 9.5. Yeah. 9.5. 9.5. Yeah. And I don't know why it's not 10. But no, I, that's what I was just thinking. I'm like, why shouldn't I just give it a 10? It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great movie. Because it's not Caddyshack. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, now, if, I guess if you're Ted right. Knight played... Captain Aubrey, then I'd give it a 10. And, and Rodney Dangerfield, as a matter of... Mm, quick's the word, sharp's the action. It's mm-hmm. easy to grin when the surprise comes in. <laughs> got the French beat. Hey, this guy's <laughs> bleeding all over. Give me something to staunch it. <laughs> I christen thee the surprise. <laughs> Wang, you're in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Why you put Wang in charge? <laughs> oh, boy, Watch out for those Brazilian kids. <laughs> hey, hey, Go ahead. we need to give a shout out. We need yes. to give a shout out to Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival. Yes. Who did a great interview with our very own Jason O'Connell. 
did recently. A piece. What a yeah. wonderful piece that was. Yeah, they're, they're a wonderful theater uh, uh, in Cold Spring, New York. Uh, I have worked there many, many times as an actor. Dan has worked there. He was there in 2013 with me as an actor. Um, I'd be happy to a, work there. It's a, it's a wonderful, <laughs> alas, a wonderful theater, uh, a, a wonderful, gorgeous outdoor theater that uh, um, oh, so beautiful up there. Specializing in Shakespeare, but they do all sorts of plays. I had um, the the Cyrano that I co-adapted was there last summer. My wife's mm. adaptation of Pride and Prejudice uh, premiered there a few years ago. Yeah, they're a wonderful, wonderful theater, a dear group of friends and a great community. Uh, and uh, they did a wonderful piece, uh, did an interview with me. And, and uh, we are going to be having a uh, special episode in future. The date is yet to be determined. But we actually, mm. as part of uh, their... Uh, annual gala, Hudson Valley Shakespeare Festival's annual gala, we at Opening Weekend Podcast auctioned off the opportunity for one of their patrons to to be a part of the show and to record an episode or a segment of an episode with us talking about Shakespeare on film and some of our favorite movies uh, revolving around the Bard. And the winner of that is a wonderful woman. Uh, her name is Patricia King. She's actually uh, uh, an author. She writes mystery novels. She, uh, her, her pen name is Anna Maria Alfieri. And she wow. she lives part of the year. She lives in New York, but she also lives part of the year in Italy. And um, and she makes a home there as well. And so That's she goes. That's a spicy uh, meatball. Yeah, she's <laughs> so a one, She's a wonderful so woman. Sorry. You may have met her at one point, Dan, but she is. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, she's going to be uh, joining us. I've got to I've got to communicate with Hudson Valley and her, and we'll figure out all the details. But there'll be a special episode yeah. coming down the pike, probably sometime this winter, with uh, oh, with Patricia yeah. King, aka Anna Maria Alfieri. Um, this is very exciting. Yeah, well, thank exciting. you, Hudson Valley really Shakespeare Festival. We really appreciate your support. Yes. And thank you to everyone who's been listening and writing in and sending us messages and words of encouragement. And I know there's a lot of people who like who have been discovering the podcast and go, I've had a lot yes. of friends and people who have been going back. My friend Andre just literally texted me a second ago being like, I just started. I'm, I'm, I'm on episode five. I love it. So Yay. thank you to everyone who's been listening because uh, we do this for you. If you uh, want to contact us, info at openingweekendpodcast.com but we're on all the social media platforms as well yeah. you can reach out to us on the on the book face and the face face and the facebook uh if anybody wants to uh read the uh the piece that hudson valley did or uh, oh, learn sorry. more about the shakespeare festival uh visit them at hvshakespeare.org very great exciting thing, one great thing about the hudson valley shakespeare festival you you, you know you go see their shows you really feel it you feel it in your fingers you feel it in your toes. toes. Are you segueing, buddy? Are you? Are you? I can you feel better it. believe I'm segueing. I feel it creeping I, out. That was a that was a good one, that, right? That was really good. It was I, really. I'm good. confused. What was the segue? The, Love actually. That's is the all song. Me. Yeah, that's the yeah, song. Ba, 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 I feel it in my fingers. Oh, I feel it in my toes. It's love actually. Universal Pictures invites you. What's the best sex you've ever had? Britney Spears. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> she was rubbish. To take everything you know about love. You have this kind of problem? Yeah, of course you did, you saucy mings. And multiply it by eight. Oh, I'm gonna squeeze it and kiss it and please it together forever through 
Jason, Colin Firth, Laura Linney, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Rowan Atkinson, Kira Knightley. Christmas is the time to be with the people you love. Yeah, I need a car. This holiday season. Does uh, Natalie live here? All you need. Oh. Hello. Is love actually? Are you seeing carols? I suppose I could. Please, sir. Over the course of five tumultuous weeks before Christmas in the heart of London, nine or ten or possibly twelve intertwined stories <laughs> aim to prove the axiom that, complicated though it may be, love really is all around. Among the myriad characters featured in Richard Curtis's hugely successful holiday viewing staple are Hugh Grant as the newly elected British Prime Minister in love with a junior staffer, Laura Linney as a graphic designer whose devotion to her mentally ill brother complicates her love life considerably, and Bill Nye as Billy Mack, a middle-aged rock star whose shot at pop chart redemption is the musical thread that weaves all the various characters and plot lines together. Also starring Liam Neeson, Emma Thompson, Alan Rickman, Colin Firth, Kira Knightley, Andrew Lincoln, Martin Freeman, and Rowan Atkinson, to name about half of the film's all-star cast, Love actually rolled out across North America over the course of two weekends, bringing in over $18 million on its way to a domestic total of $59.7 million and a worldwide haul of nearly $245 million. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Love Actually? I saw this movie for the first time about three and a half, four hours ago. Wow. I've never seen it before. Oh my God, that's right. Yeah, I've never seen it. I thought it was delightful. Yay! Delightful in all caps. Yes. It was the, the first yeah. thing that that hit me right off the bat. I thought, holy shit, this is a, this is a September 11th reaction movie. Yes. You know, and we, and we, we talked huh. about that because right off the bat, you know, and it, it begins and ends. Those are the bookends the of people moment, yeah. coming off the airport. And, yes. and uh, th I, that's Hugh Grant is the voiceover, right? Hugh Grant says right at the beginning says, uh, yeah. the, when that's the, when all the, real when footage. That's hit. all real actual people. Yeah. Footage. People at Heathrow. And I thought, yeah. and we were, we were talking about this, I think with the Shaun of the Dead episode and mm -hmm. with the, um, For, the, forgotten. The, Julianne, the forgotten, I forgot it. I forgot the name. Yeah. How, Which you know, six were, months after this or whatever, a yeah, year after this. There yeah. was there were types right. of movies that were coming out that were, you know, direct reactions to September eleventh and the paranoia and sort of, you know, the, the the negative reactions that we were having as humans in our psyche. And I feel like this was that same type of thing, but in a in, in a much more obviously positive way. And and so right off the bat, I thought, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting that. And it really it took me back to that time immediately, mm -hmm. which was right, right as he said that. But I loved it. I thought it was so great. Yeah. I was I was very confused in the beginning, and it took me a while just to figure out everyone's connections. Sure, and, you know, and they yeah, sort some of, of it's and, not a hundred percent connected. Yeah, no, and they and they let it marinate for a while, and it sits for a while, and as you get through it, you're like, oh, oh, I see yeah. where they're connected. Huh. Uh, but I think it does a nicer like, job of interconnecting. Than Magnolia in some ways, I think mm, uh, because car, Larry. Ma Magnolia and I think I actually was like, is Richard Curtis kind of a Paul Thomas Anderson fan? Even though this is so not ah. like a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, but it is interesting the ways in which he tries to like take a sprawling cast of characters and really link them together in as many sure. different ways as he can. And that's where something I, I thought about Magnolia, and I remember talking about this to Dan many years ago, is that I felt like it dropped the ball because it was kind of 
two different spheres of characters that were connected by one thin link in Magnolia, uh, which I believe is the the TV show, the Philip Baker Hall TV show. And Mm -hmm. I was like, that's the only connection between this world of people and this world of people. (laughs) And that felt like a cheat. This is much more, you can kind of link almost everybody to at least one other person or two other people. And it it, it kind of forms more of a a single sphere or a single world of of influence. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought that was very, uh, very well done. And then the way Curtis brings in and not to jump to the end, but he uses uh, God only knows uh, at, mm-hmm. at the very, very end, much in the same way. I feel like Paul Thomas Anderson used it at the end of Boogie Nights as like this, this great coda, oh, this kind yeah, of it, yeah, it has yeah. a similar effect right. of like bringing it I, all together right. at the very end. So I have to anyway. say that may be one of my favorite songs ever. Oh, me that, too. That song is it's perfect. True. Paul McCartney has said it's his favorite song ever, but it's just is that right. Yeah, it's yeah, really it's, it's, it's absolutely oh, wow. gorgeous. Anyway, sorry but to yeah, jump I off. Really, go, go, no, 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 I just, I great. loved it. I was laughing. I was smiling from ear to ear. I think I'm in love with Hugh Grant. Me too. He, he He's yeah. so, yeah. you know, there's it's so Very easy lovable. to dismiss him. You know, again, he was one mm-hmm. of those guys that got to a point where it's like he was in everything. He's so good at what he does he's yeah. so honest and he's just he's he's adorable and he's dashing <laughs> and he's wonderful and he was i loved his character in this my god I, holy shit if i didn't get choked up when hugh grant took a stand against billy bob thornton that whole, oh, yeah. i was like why am i getting choked up at this i love that word relationship covers all manner of sins doesn't it i fear that this has become a bad relationship A relationship based on the president taking exactly what he wants and casually ignoring all those things that really matter to um, Britain. We may be a small country, but we're a great one too. A country of Shakespeare, Churchill, the Beatles, Sean Connery, Harry Potter, (laughs) David Beckham's right foot, David Beckham's left foot, come to that. And a friend who bullies us is no longer a friend. And since bullies only respond to strength, from now onward, I will be prepared to be much stronger. And the president should be prepared for that. Bill Nye, I had always heard, I would always heard in passing people mentioned how good he was in this. Oh my God, every time he came on the screen, I felt like I was watching. It's like, that's how I feel when I watch Caddyshack. Every time Ted Knight comes on, yes. every time he appeared, I just started to laugh. I, I don't think, I don't know if there's so anybody as good as Bill Nye. That character is so utterly complete and complex and rich. And that laugh he has, yes. that, that, oh. <laughs> this, this funny laugh that he has, like, and you just picture like, He's, you know, all the drugs he's taken, all the alcohol he's consumed, everything, all the sex yes. he's had, the ups and the downs. You feel the whole career in it's that all guy. In the character, yeah. He's everything. so good. And I think what's brilliant, and this is actually, maybe this is the, the, the Magnolia thing, why it kind of works for me, is that you've got this pop star and the prime minister of England. So you have two people who automatically connect right. many many people right away because yes. we're all Good you know point. what i mean you're looking at a, a world leader and like somebody who's a pop culture fixture and so that those are two very smart ways 
And to have two points like that to, to spin off of is helpful as opposed to, like I said, in Magnolia, it feels like there's one and it feels like a thinner thread that they're connecting on. But yeah, those two guys, and to me, those two guys are kind of the heart of the movie. For whatever reason, I love the Colin Firth storyline. I love the Emma Thompson. I mean, Emma Thompson's heartbreaking and brilliant. Liam Neeson is heartbreaking and brilliant. I mean, He's great. It's, it's just, I, I, it's fantastic. But I feel like Hugh Grant and Bill Nye are... The, oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the, the twin pillars of the movie. How do you think the new record compares to your old classic stuff? Oh, come on, Mikey. You know as well as I do, the record's crap. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great if number one this Christmas wasn't some smug teenager, but an old ex-heroin addict searching for a comeback at any price? All those young popsters come Christmas Day, they'll be stretched out naked with a cute bird balancing on their balls. And I'll be stuck in some dingy flat with my manager, Joe, ugliest man in the world. Fucking miserable because our fucking gamble didn't pay off. So if you believe in Father Christmas, children, like your Uncle Billy does, buy my festering turd of a record and particularly enjoy the incredible crassness of the moment when we try to squeeze an extra syllable into the fourth line. <laughs> I think you're referring to, uh, if you really love Christmas. Come on and let it snow. Ouch. The story that, yeah. that at first I was sort of wondering, where is this going? And really, I thought, had such a beautiful payoff was the Laura Linney story. Because oh, in the Fred, beginning, you read my yeah. mind. I was just going to yeah. talk about that. Yeah. I, I was thinking, I was like, I don't really get it. I mean, I liked her. And then it was so heartbreaking to realize, <sighs> oh, it, she's a caretaker. Yeah. yeah. And that's what it is. And that's another part of the love of this movie, that yeah. she yeah. is so dedicated her love to her family and her brother. And suddenly you're like, Oh, that's what it is. She can't give herself up to anyone else because yeah. she it's 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 the struggle of the caretaker of taking care of yeah. a member of the family, whether they have Alzheimer's or they're elderly or something. And this it's it was yeah. I thought it was such a beautiful I didn't expect it. It was such a nice mm -hmm. surprise. And then suddenly when that is introduced, everything made sense. Yes. Like, oh, now I get it. Well, it's the flip side of God only knows what I would be without you. Right. He can't be without her. Right. Yeah. He would he would go downhill. He, she's keeping him, you know, uh, she, she's she's his anchor. Right. She's his safety. She's his. And, and that when I think about this movie, I, we watched We definitely watch this movie once a year. My wife introduced me to this movie. Um, I don't know, maybe like 10 years ago or something like that. I've seen it many, many times. We watch it every year at Christmas time. It's a Christmas tradition in our house. Mm -hmm. um, but when I think of this movie, when I think about it, I think of three things. I think of um, the the whole Emma Thompson storyline, which is such a crushing, heartbreaking, yeah. and then yet hopeful at the end um, storyline. Number two is uh, the uh, the ending with Colin Firth um, uh, proposing, yeah. which is my I think my favorite thing in the movie. And the third thing is that unbelievably difficult scene between Laura Linney and the actor's name is Michael Fitzgerald, who plays her brother, Michael. Her brother. And where she, he says, he's so fucking good in that scene. He's, he's got really maybe good. three or four lines, but yeah. he's so heartbreakingly wonderful in that scene when he just simply says, you know, the nurse is here trying to kill me, you know? And then he rears back like he's going to whack her. And, yeah. the, and the, the orderly comes over and they hold him and they hold yeah. him. And then she holds his hands and says, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. 
Oh, I, I mean, my God, yeah. my God. I don't want to see a whole movie of that because I, yeah. I would, I would, I no. don't know how I would handle it, but you know, that kind of thing, people like that, people who are, are, who have, um, people in their lives who need them so much. And it's such a hard, all consuming, difficult, um, thing to, to, to endure. Those people are angels. I don't know how they, they are. I don't know how they do what they do. I don't know how they live have, and exist on this earth. People who have to be, as you said, Fred, the caretakers to people to whom their life is, is, is all consuming. And it's like, no wonder she's a workaholic. No wonder she's yeah. at, at, at work 24, seven, 365, because, you know, to, to, to go home is to be in that reality. So work is almost like a safety cushion for her. What a gorgeous, incredibly moving, heartbreaking part of that story. And I always think of that when I, when I think I, of love, actually, I have that in my family and I find it, it's mm. wonderful. And I watched it today because of the rewatch. I, I often will skip that section i will i will, will skip it's, it's because it's very it's painful very to watch hard. it's very yeah. painful to yeah. watch like because i know yeah. the feeling uh, intimately yeah. and it's oh, uh boy oh boy it's a uh, it's a big but it's a beautiful it you know most of the love that gets examined throughout this is romantic love and either unrequited or you know like right. uh, rela- it's relationship stuff but that's yeah. that's a different relationship the 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 also incredibly beautiful Liam Neeson and the stepson I think it's Thomas oh, what a great Thomas Sangster is that that he's actor's so name good the, the yeah I know boy. him he's he, wonderful. He, he was in Game of Thrones he played Jojen mm-hmm. Reed so I reckon but like talk about we were oh, talking for about God's the, sake he's from Game of Thrones yeah yeah he was Jojen you know well the, now he, he's in a wonderful it. thing on Netflix called The Queen's Gambit. Oh, he's oh that that's so funny. My wife started to watch that tonight. It's really wonderful. Oh, yeah. And he plays like the U.S. champion. He oh, plays wow. an American in it. He plays like he was great. Champion. I mean, we, we, we were talking about Just. the little kid in uh, in Master and Commander. I mean, with two movies with two great performances. Great by little yeah, kids. He was he was so good in this. That kid. And the chemistry oh, with Liam Neeson and the, the ease between them and the love. I mean, that's that just the how they both how they're going through the morning process together and right. and and the hopefulness of looking at you know the the little boy's first love his first crush on this other little girl oh, and yeah. and how the stepfather pours it's like i'm gonna pour myself into this this is this is how i'm, I'm yeah. connecting with you yeah, and, gotta do and it. how we're Beautiful. healing gotta do it. we're healing the loss of the most important person in our lives by focusing together. on on just the the concept the idea of love maybe you've never spoken yes. to this girl before maybe you'll never see her again after that night of the christmas wow. pageant but but we're just going to explore what it is to love i'm in love sorry i know i should be thinking about mom all the time and i am but the truth is i'm in love and i was before she died there's nothing i can do about it <laughs> Aren't you fit- Young to be in love? No. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm a little relieved. Why? But because I thought it would be something worse. Worse than the total agony of being in love? Uh, no, you're right. Yeah, total agony. It was wild for me to to see Andrew Lincoln because I'm such a huge I love you know right. The Walking Dead and to see right. him so young I and think clean cut. He's and great. He was so great, and I lo- you know I like the twist because in the beginning you're like oh he's in love with his best friend. I did sort of think mm-hmm. what he does at the end. I'm like well that was sort of a dick move. He's your best friend and you're <laughs> you know no, but it on. ends so beautifully when he go- when he walks away and he yes. goes enough. 
enough. enough yes, now. I did. I did like that. What a great yeah. moment to end that on. I mean, she kissed him, so she's the problem. That's true. So no. <laughs> no, no. Could but he I, not I, have I, though? But it would have been great had he encountered the 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 handsome character who's in love with Laura Linney, because then he could have said, "Coral." Yeah. That's all I wanted. You're just waiting to do that. If you don't watch Walking Dead, Jason, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. What were you going to say? <laughs> Somebody's going to ask a question, though. Somebody, two one questions. Of you just I had two yes. questions. One, Martin Freeman uh, and the, the I don't know the actress <laughs> oh, who plays. Joanna, uh, oh, Joanna. I, I, just I Judy. Oh, Jane. Just Judy. I yeah. love Just so Judy. Are they, so now, are they porn actors or stand-ins? Stand-ins. Or porn movie? Stand-ins. Which I think. Which I think is hysterical. Just Joanna that, like, Page. Yeah, Martin Freeman and Joanna Page. for porn actors. Ridiculous. That was the one, and that was the one moment too. I'm like, I really want to, I really want the kids to watch this, but that's a lot of explaining because it's really, those are pretty explicit. Yes. Uh, yes. It's so funny how they sell that. How, how, how oh, Martin it's Freeman so is so brilliant and so is she, Joanna Page. Yeah. They're so good because it is the most ridiculous conceit that two strangers yeah. would get, who were standing, and also that Martin Freeman was Brad Pitt's stand-in apparently <laughs> on seven years in tibet so that's how you know there's stand-ins and not porn stuff and it's like all right you're the stand-in we gotta get the light right so take all your clothes off and mash your penis up against this stranger they do a lot of that in seven years in tibet have you seen that movie <laughs> I mean. a lot of penis mashing <laughs> mostly penis mashing seven years of it <laughs> seven years in tibet jesus <laughs> <laughs> Now America. playing at the okay. Brown Party. What, what, what is your other question, Fredo? So the other question was, and I and I think I know the answer, but do we think? And I and I loved it. I loved the at the end part with Billy Jack and his manager. Yeah, I thought I loved it. But did we think that maybe Billy Jack was actually in love with his manager? No, or, or no, just no, more they're just pals. I didn't yeah, they're just get pals. that. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah. think so. There was a moment where I thought, "Oh, that would be sort of interesting," and it's, it's, you know, it's going to be unrequited because his manager isn't gay. But I wasn't sure if they were hinting in that. But I, I thought that was really lovely because, again, it was one of those things. That's where another they, love, right? They, the love, they, they sort of set kind of it love. up. What's that? It's just another kind of love. We were saying how oh, most yeah, of it is exactly. romantic relationships, but that's like just a friendship. Uh, yeah, connection. and it was nice how they set up in the beginning how he's always calling him chubby and make no. Oh, oh, here's something I want to say. <laughs> there was mm-hmm. a lot of fat shaming in this movie. Yeah, I noticed, and in a very subtle way, I thought. And I thought what was so interesting. Her name was Natalie. That was the woman yeah. that Hugh Grant Martine, falls in love with. Martine yeah. McCutcheon, she, that beautiful actress. Who I thought was lovely, and they keep making references about how she's a little chubby or thighs are big. Right, and. Her father calls her plumpy at one point. Plumpy. And what I found interesting, I thought, well, one, why is that necessary to the plot? And two, I found it fascinating because for 2003, because I'm like, she doesn't seem like a plus size woman. She's tall, but she doesn't seem larger. And I thought, "Hmm, I wonder if, if that was cast today, if it would have been cast with an actress who actually was you know, a larger woman mm, or a plus a size woman. And Zoftig. it seemed like, wow, it was, was a Zoftig woman. Yet was that the 2003 version? You know, Might is that, been. you know, is it's that, so that, weird. Yeah, I, I know, I know Fred, because then you wonder now, is that it? Or did they write the script that way? Or was it that did somebody, when they're putting this together, were they like, Oh, well, she's a great actor, but she's not the pure model type that we would normally put in this. Do we have to explain 
this? Do we have to like, do we have to mention right. that she, cause I don't know, she's gorgeous to me. Yeah. I don't say, you know, but it was weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, they make one mention. She talks about the thighs and I thought, you know, her boyfriend and, and I was like, okay, that was a nice little moment. And it made sense, but then it, it sort of kept repeating. Then, then like his assistant his comes assistant? in. She's like, you know, Natalie who works here, the chubby girl. Who would we call her chubby? I think there's a pretty sizable ass there. Yes, sir. Huge thighs. Yeah, but whatever. Um, mm, would we call her yes, chubby? Yes, That's my favorite yes, line yes, in the whole movie. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was just gonna say, mm, would we call her chubby? He goes way up, way up. Who would we call her chubby? So it's, it's so almost iconic. like, you know, it's defending the movie itself is defending again. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't see her as, as yeah. uh, that, that that's a flaw in her right. shape no. or anything. Like, he didn't see that at all from her. No, so exactly. It's like, I, which I, I, I love. But yeah. what I'm saying is I kept wondering yeah. that if maybe in terms of the casting of it, like let's, let's assume that the script was written that way, that it was supposed mm-hmm. to be a woman okay. who was more Zoftig. Right. And maybe, and now obviously the woman who played Natalie is a wonderful actress, so yeah. they don't even need that. But I just kept thinking, I wonder if in the lens of the early aughts eye, you know, of, of mm. movie makers, they thought, well, we can't go any more Zoftig than this. This is this is as far as we can push those boundaries. Whereas today, mm. you know, there's so many wonderful yeah. actresses who've sort of broken those barriers of mm. saying, this is how I look. This is my body. I don't fit into that, you know, small, slim mold. And yeah. I don't know, that was just in the yeah. back of my mind. I wonder, you know, if I mean, you're it, right. You was, do see more, uh, more variety and diversity of body type now in, in, yeah. in TV and film. And so it could be that. And then you think of this movie too. And it's like, Oh my God, Kira Knightley is a beautiful girl. So painfully thin. I'm like, if she looks that thin on camera, would a Melissa McCarthy have the, the huge career that she had? I mean, was she on Gilmore girls then? She was, she was on Gilmore girls so at maybe, that point. Yeah. I don't know. I just kept thinking. But I was she like, was I not wonder. a lead. She was right. She was like a supporting comic yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Who would we call her chubby? You're know. right about that line though, Jason. The, Ooh, what is it? Chubby, chubby, chubby? <laughs> oh my God. There's so many iconic things. I, I, I'm I just so don't... glad that your eyebrows made an appearance, Jason on Rowan Atkinson's I face. I know <laughs> they always do whenever he shows up. <laughs> That's so interesting he right? when you hear him talk every because it's so you know you think yeah of you never hear him talk you expect him to do a silent him. performance and then he doesn't you go oh he's talking uh, I will say I, I you know one one other thing I love about the movie is I, I think where it gets away with stuff like the there's so so many silly things like the Martin Fre- you know like yeah. these two people being stand-ins for porn stars and that's how they form this bond the the really broad comedy bumps up against the really poignant stuff in a way that is it's it's kind of an amazing it's like a magic trick because it, it the stuff should mm-hmm. should jar more and and somehow the director finds a tone where you can you can because uh, i think one of the maybe the most ridiculous sequence in the movie or, oh, or conceit is with colin and he goes to yeah. the bar in wisconsin and it's <laughs> it's, it's january jones it's and eliza very Comfort. fairy tale it's very fairy yeah. tale but that bumps up that scene, that sequence where, yeah, he's being seduced by all these beautiful girls in a house in Wisconsin, literally <laughs> bumps up right against, <laughs> right against the most realistic scene in the movie, which is yeah. is Emma Thompson oh, uh, unwrapping that CD when she thinks yeah. it's going to be the gold necklace and then excusing herself to go into the bedroom and cry. Right. That performance, it's it's so 
perfect and painful and real. And it's it's, so it's like you're just watching this human moment. They just let her compose herself in real time. It's yeah. beautiful. It that could be that could be a best supporting actress nomination. There there have been parts that have consisted of less that have gotten Oscar nominations. <laughs> and I think I mean she's that Oscar good wins. Yeah. in that sequence. Tell me. If you were in my position, what would you do? What position is that? Imagine your husband bought a gold necklace and come Christmas gave it to somebody else. God. Would you stay? Knowing life would always be a little bit worse. Or would you cut and run? God. I am so in the room. Classic fool. Yes, but you've also made a fool out of me. You've made the life I lead foolish too. Um, if your wife says to you, "Oh, so and so's pretty, right?" Just say, "Yeah, she's very pretty." That puts the the kibosh on it right there, because she's objectively pretty. The person's pretty. It's not. It's not an opinion. The person's pretty. She's a young woman. She's pretty. Nice body. Nice face. Whatever. Just say yes and call it a night. As soon as you say, well, I, don't know. I never looked at her. Really? Your secretary? You never looked at her face? You're clearly masturbating about her every three seconds when I'm not looking, and that's it. It's a little word to the wise. Any anybody out there listening? Just let your wife know that other humans can be pretty, and your wife will understand, or she won't, and you'll get a divorce. You know, don't sue me. You know, maybe you know, maybe I just been married to her. Yeah, thanks for calling into Love Line. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? You're with Doctor Drew. How many uh, Sheilas? Oh, oh my God! I like it better than Master and Commander. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go 9.5. Equal. Equal to Master and Commander. Alan Rickman's the master. Liam Neeson's the commander. I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna give it a nine. I'm gonna go on the other side and I'm gonna give it a ten. I love wow. this movie. Oh I love I this movie. I have two DVDs in my hand. One is Love Actually, the other is Gremlins. It's Christmas Day. You can only watch one. Love actually. Oh, that is a Sophie's choice of epic proportions. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean I don't love Gremlins as much or more. No, you, know, you hate mean Gremlins. That. You no. hate Gremlins. Christmas Day. Christmas Day is Love Actually. Um, yeah, no, I love it. I, I really, I actually love it. No, I really, really do. It's, it's. I've seen it so many times, and it never doesn't work for me it never doesn't surprise me it never doesn't move me it never doesn't make me laugh it never doesn't make me marvel at the acting i know i'm using a lot of dub double negatives here it never doesn't <laughs> uh, it never fails to move me it never fails to uh, surprise me and 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 i'm just it brings me such joy and it and when i saw it in 2003 i remember it was i needed it that the day i saw it i really yeah, needed it i needed it just filled me with, um, I don't know, there was a, a hopefulness uh, about about relationships, about life. I, you know, I, it, the other interesting thing about this is at this point, I was this weird kind of um, 
pseudo anglophile meaning i was obsessed with all things british but i had mm. never been to britain had never you know had, but i always wanted to go i had romanticized it so this was a kind of a perfect movie for that too i was like i was just like i just want to be there i just want to go to england at christmas time i just you know so in time yeah. i i was in love with the whole setting and everything in the whole the, the world of the movie too as well as the performances and the relationships um and then I've been to London once now. I went a few uh, a few years ago with Kate, with mm. my wife, and we went at Christmas time. And it was that guy. I was so couldn't have been more excited. It was basically like I, I can't wait to go live Love Actually. Um, yeah, no, this <laughs> is a, this is a movie I adore. I, you know, I, I, I it's, it might be if it's not my favorite Christmas movie, it's like one of the top like two or three. Wow. It, it, Which is so funny. Really I never even knew it was considered a Christmas movie. People go no back idea. and forth about that, but it's definitely a Christmas movie. It you know absolutely what I mean? Absolutely is. Is. What the yeah. fuck is it then? If it's not Yeah. Well, some movie. people say, Oh, it's a romantic comedy that happens to be, you know, people have that argument. They're like, it's not about Santa doesn't come along. Again. It's like, come on. It's oh, for God's it's sake. totally Christmas. Don't Santa. Um, don't Santa. It's, it's, uh, 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 you know, it's one of those movies that makes you feel what I think one of the messages of the movie is what is Christmas about, if not about love? Mm -hmm. It's Christmas. And therefore, you know, here's Andrew Lincoln with the uh, he's going to tell the truth about how he feels about Keira, Keira Knightley. It's, but I think it's, a, it's it's more than that. I think it's more than just about Christmas. I think and I think the book yeah. ends the beginning and the end are more about like there's there's always a time to take a chance with love. I think that's what the movie is saying. Mm -hmm. You know, I think with, with the September 11th, you know, theme in, in the sort of the, like the specter looming over, you know, especially in the beginning, I think it's the idea of yeah. take the chance. Just if go not for now, it. when, right? Exactly. Like, say, like speak your heart, yeah. whatever it is. If it's your best friend, yeah. if it's your child, if it's. Your because there are going to be moments, there are going to be times when you won't, when, you know, God forbid, you're not mm -hmm. going to be getting off you know, the plane into the airport terminal to hug your loved one right. and yeah. see them. I think to me, like, like on Easter, for example, I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> Many people fly on Easter. Maybe no, but I think that <laughs> to me, that was, <laughs> it's, it's Sunday. definitely a Christmas movie, but it's more the idea of take a chance, take a chance with love, take a chance with love. It's lunch line. On lunch line. <laughs> on the lunch line. <laughs> love line on the lunch line. <gasps> oh, Salisbury Hill. Do, 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 do. I love you, Myrna. <laughs> <laughs> You're my friend. All this oh, time yeah. I've been hanging out with the other ladies, the lunch line, but there's no one I want to spend Christmas with more than you. <laughs> well, that's good because we're in prison. <laughs> my heart's going boom, 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 son, she said. Square your tits. <laughs> Take I'm back. We're going home. home. <laughs> Square your tits. I'm going to take you home. <laughs> okay. Very good. Some lunch line. <laughs> Gentlemen. Yes. Yeah. One thing that I love is when we get phone calls and the phone happens to be ringing. Shall I answer it? Please do. You must. Okay. You must. Can't just let it go. Now, is this regular phone or time phone? This is regular phone. Oh, okay. This is so, regular. I, so I know what sound effect to put. Yeah. <laughs> Good old regular phone. Oh, thank Hello, goodness. this is the opening weekend podcast. You are on the regular phone <laughs> with Dan, Jason, and Fred. Please uh, go ahead. This 
is the Sayer of the Flaw. <gasps> sayer of the Flaw, you're back. We were, we were, we're just, just talking, talking about, about Ron Perlman earlier. Yeah, talking about your doppelganger. I have written, thank you. I have <laughs> returned. That's great. How is everything? Flawed. <laughs> That's how everything you can say is. That again. Flawed. What is the flaw to think you're, you should be the guy who's the Acme guy when you have this perfectly good Ron Perlman <laughs> sitting two seats away who should have been the villain? Wait a minute. Hold on. Is this the sayer of the flaws or is this Ron Perlman calling into the podcast? I was sitting right. I mean, the Ron Perlman was sitting right <laughs> there. Are we not men? I'm a man. We're all men. Robert Ricardo. Oh, did you see who was sitting two seats away from me? I hope you saw. <laughs> Vernon Wells, also known as Bennett. Oh, really? He was in that scene? Yes, really. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, why are you being so belligerent? Vernon. Because I point out the flaws. <laughs> okay. You have career villains. Sitting there, <laughs> and you pick Steve, uh, goddamn Martin. <laughs> He's a big star, sayer of the flaw. Uh, I was Hellboy, but not Wait at that minute. point. You weren't. I know. Oh well, you're right. I was in an Amish <laughs> thing. Wasn't I in an Amish thing? <laughs> Are we not men? Is the question. I think you're we're right. Devo. <laughs> <laughs> D-E-V-O. No more. Acme chairman. No more Steve Martin characters that should have been Martin Short or me. No more Joe, Dante, Warner Brothers, Looney Tunes. You get the point. Absolutely. To review... <laughs> was that your to own... Review, to, to review Looney Tunes... What was the name of this thing? Back, back, back to basics. Back, back, to basics. back to basics. Back in action. Looney to review Looney Tunes. Back in action is very hard. <laughs> Perhaps Space Jam was better, although I don't know because I've never seen it. Go back to the episode about the <laughs> island of Dr. Moreau, and it'll all become 12% clearer what's happening right now. <laughs> Goodbye, gentlemen. Goodbye, Goodbye, Sayer of the Flaw. Bye. Goodbye. Wow. Thank you for calling. Oh, yeah, 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 he's gone. Hello? Sayer of the he's Flaw. Dan, you, were, Dan you were awfully quiet during that conversation. Well, yeah. I didn't expect him to call in again. I know. Oh, you, were just, say, you were just sitting there with your mouth agape squat. and a gaw. <laughs> and a gog. I, I, <laughs> a gog and a ghast. I love when Sayer <laughs> of the Flaw calls in. Because oh, I enjoyed as well. It's really the most confusing thing. But the most beautiful thing, in a way, because he's, he's, if one thing he is, he's honest. He's honest about what he sees as the flaws in the movies. Absolutely. When they revolve around him, at least. <laughs> um. He should go down to San Antonio or wherever they're shooting lunch line and see if he can <laughs> no, get no. in there. Yeah. San Antonio. He should, he should hook, up, hook up with those crazy kids. He could be, uh, he could sit on set and say flaws. He'd be like, that continuity, that Shasta was turned into the... More key light on Pacino. Wait, less, less. Please, less. For God's sake. See every wrinkle. <laughs>
Oh, guys, next week, next week, <laughs> we're, we're, uh, we're, 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 we're heading back to the 80s again. Yes. And we're going yeah. to be in the 80s for the next few weeks, actually. Oh, we're going to really dig in as we, as we go into the holiday oh. season. We are, we are looking back to November 25th, 1987, just before Thanksgiving. You will be hearing us talk about one of the only true Thanksgiving movies that I can think of, and certainly, I think, the finest, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Never seen it. You really? shut up. Swear to God, I've never seen it. Are you out oh. of your goddamn mind? You've not seen planes, trains, and automobiles? Never seen uh, it. Uh, Stop what? judging me. Stop yelling me. No, I saw I'm judging. I'm judging. No, yeah, no, I never saw it. Never saw it. I've seen, I've seen bits and pieces. I've never seen the whole thing straight through, so I'm very excited. Oh, I'm not judging you for that. Like you enjoy it. yourself. I saw that movie on opening night. I saw it the night it opened in 1987, the night before Thanksgiving. That's why else it's, a, but it, but it is. It's okay. about Thanksgiving. Um, oh my God. And uh, and three men and a baby, starring three yes. guys, three men: Ted Danson, right? Ted Danson, Tom Selleck, and Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg, directed, directed by Leonard by, Nimoy. Yeah. By the great Good. Leonard Nimoy. One year after his triumph with Star Trek IV: The Voyage Home, he was like that made a lot of moolah. He was like, no, Look, I don't want to direct myself. I don't want to. I really don't want to direct Shatner. Give me another movie, I, Paramount. I Give don't want to direct Wales anymore. <laughs> exactly. You I see what I can do, Gutenberg. You see what I, can, I was going to say. You can see what I. Can, you can see what I can do with this. This barely animate whale. Give me Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> don't you talk bad about Steve Gutenberg? He's I, I love him. I, I, well, Come I don't. On. I don't love him. He's Mahoney. Find, yeah, that those movies. High spirits. Cocoon. High spirits. I never saw. Oh, All right, we'll see. We'll see how he does we'll in Three Men and a Baby. Anyway, Dan, other than your hair, what do you have for us? Oh, I was going to do. I was going to do a little. Uh, I was either going to do, do Looney Tunes theme, but what I really want to do is love is all Christmas is all around mm-hmm. us. I was going to do a Let's little. Do it because we love love actually so much. So in honor of that great movie. In honor of Christmas and the holiday season coming around the corner, Christmas is all around us. There was video here because there was a look. There was like a crazed look in your eye, but also the look. It was like Eric Clapton just giving like a great blues solo. That was the look that was going on there. That's what Christmas does to me, you guys. It's called Crazy Christmas Eyes. (laughs) Crazy Christmas Eyes. Starring Jim Varney. Dan Matisse. Oh, please tell me we're doing a Jim Varney movie at some point. I it's not on the schedule yet, but I'm sure we can oh, dig one up. <laughs> get Ernest goes to stupid camp. town or whatever. whatever those what was are. the first one? Ernest goes to camp. Yeah, Ernest goes to so. camp. 
That's right. Ernest came out, I think that came out the same weekend as Ishtar. Maybe we'll... Uh, oh, Ernest goes to the brown party? Was that one? Uh, uh, Ernest uh, uh, and uh, Medea go to uh, Halloween. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, what I would give to see that movie. The opening weekend podcast is produced by Jason O'Connell, Fred Berman, and Dan Matisa, with editing by Jason O'Connell and sound mixing by Fred Berman. Additional help and technical support provided by Ethan Duff. Thank you for listening. Thank you.